All right, it is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. It is August 24th, 2016, and tonight we are going to do the 2016 preseason rookie breakdown. Everybody, welcome to the show. It is the Drink Five Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Jason, and I am not joined as I always am by Dave. Uh, instead, uh, we've got a couple replacements for Dave. We've got our buddy Mike. Mike, you've been here before, and we've got Sean. Sean Foss, you've also been here before. Cheers. Thank you guys for uh, joining me uh, and allowing us to have a show tonight. So, um, I just want to say uh, cheers to Dave, and um, you know we're going to be better at fantasy football than you this year. Because we're getting this extra practice in. Absolutely. Cheers. I mean, yeah, we're, we're playing fantasy football tonight, right? Exactly. Yes. We're going to win the season tonight with, yes! b- with our secret knowledge of rookies that nobody exciting. else other than the people listening to the show get to have. That's pretty exciting. I like it. So, um, guys, you've all been here before. You know that the first thing that I need to know every podcast is what are you drinking? So, Sean, what, what are you drinking over there? I am starting the night off with a Lagunitas Stupid Wit. It's a limited-release wheat beer, which you don't see very often from Lagunitas, and it is delicious. A little hoppy, but little hoppy good. wheat beer. Now, are you partial to hoppy beers or wheat beers? I like the combination of the two together okay. uh, in one beer. But I, If you I mean, had to depends, go with one style over the other, which one do you like? Depends on my mood, but a good IPA I'd probably take over, or like a good hoppy IPA like a, like a Sculpin or Anti-Hero I probably would take over... Uh, a wheat beer. Okay. Sometimes you're in the mood for a wheat beer. Yeah, that's true. And Mike, um, I know you've got a really good beer right there. What yeah, is it? I got uh, Two Brothers, which is right down the street where, uh, from where I live in Warrenville, Illinois. And it's In the Flesh, which is an American sour ale brewed with real pineapple. And it is uh, delicious. Yes, I had one over the weekend. Uh, it was fantastic. I love sour beers. You've kind of gotten me into drinking sours because no one else I know really drinks them. But... Uh, you'll bring them over, and they're freaking delicious. Um, so I'm enjoying that. I have a uh, Citra Hero from Revolution Brewing, and I-, I am cheating because I have had this before on the show. Um, you guys at least brought new things to the show. But I've got other beer here tonight uh, to bust out that uh, I don't think we've had on the show before. And we have some old favorites returning as well. So uh, we'll get into all that uh, as well. We will get into the rookies as well in a little while. However, um, I do, you know, since it is... Uh, fantasy football time and everything is going on and the news is coming fast and furious let's just talk about what's happened since we were last here eight days ago um i know this is a wednesday night it may throw some of you off it is not tuesday don't take the garbage out if you're in hoffman estates because that was last night anyways uh starting off the news uh the biggest fantasy news i think is that Le'Veon bell had his suspension reduced from four games to three um mike as a steelers fan and an enthusiast i'm sure that you're pretty happy with this right yeah, I'm happy, but, uh, you know, I would have liked to see two games or no games. Two or none. <laughs> I think usually... So the, if they're reducing it, why... Why what reduce is, it? What is the premise of reducing it? And they never why, are going to explain it. I know. Just it's like just, they're not going to give a full reason as to why they get the suspension in the first place. 
the throwing his nugs at the wall and seeing how many stick for how long he's staying suspended. I mean, it's ridiculous. He has too many good nugs. Yeah. <laughs> I would disagree with, with this one being one where they, they you don't have a reason why on the number of games he was originally suspended because this is part of the substance abuse program. Like, they have very strict set rules. This is how many games you get for each thing. He missed drug tests, which basically counts You're as right. a failed test. You're right. Yep. None of us That's know what, what initiated it. None of us know what his reasoning was for why he missed. So, I mean, it's hard to say whether it's good that he got I was supposed to one. take a drug test. Instead, I got high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that was what it was and he only got and he got reduced a game, something's More wrong. More power to him. Yeah, yeah, office. right? Yeah, that's why I question it. If they reduced it one game, why is that? And then maybe he doesn't deserve a suspension at all. If they had enough to reduce it at some point, like, why? Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't the rumor going around was what? That he had gotten a new phone or something like yeah. that and didn't know he had a test. And then I heard from the Steelers that they, the, the actual Steelers PR team said, if that's what it was, it, it, we wouldn't be going in there with that as our reasoning. Um, but no one ever has said what the right. reason they It's all happening this. behind closed yeah. doors. There's one man who's in charge of, you know, deciding if you're guilty, uh, deciding what the crimes are, and deciding what the punishment is. So, um, you Overall, know. Overall, good for the Steelers. Good for him. Yeah, he got it. He's, yep. he's in an extra game. He's only off for three games. It does bump his fantasy value just a little. Uh, I'm happy because I drafted him before the news came out. <laughs> yep. So I got him in the second round sometime, mm-hmm. which is fine. He'll probably be going late first round, early second round, I would imagine. He just and has I, to stay healthy. And I'd take yeah. him there. Yeah, I think the bigger, the bigger. I mean, obviously not as much in fantasy football. But I think the bigger story when it comes to the discipline was the uh, the threats to the players who were mentioned in the Al Jazeera report. I thought that was kind of a bigger story. Yeah, in that terms got pretty. Um, you know, that got pretty heated. But didn't a lot of it get dismissed, or are they just doing that because nobody's so, still talking about it? So Goodell said these guys, if you don't come and do an interview here at the league office by this date, you're going to be suspended. And many of the players have said, well, you can come to us. You can come to our team <laughs> facility and I'll talk to you here. And there hasn't been – like the NFL has not publicly said if they accepted those terms from the like, players. Like I, I demand – I, I summon you and if you do not appear, then you are suspended. And it's, and it's about, I'm sorry, King Goodell. Well, and it's funny it because the that report way. that they're named in, the guy the, – the only source in the report has recanted his entire statement. He basically yeah. said, I made it up. Basically, anything with one source shouldn't be you know, relied upon for much which, at all. Which is why it's insane that he would threaten to suspend the players if they don't come talk to him. Because it's, it basically proves, like, since he won in court against Brady, he thinks he can do whatever he wants. And really, the CBA says he can. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's pretty much what they negotiated. The, the, the courts have agreed that's what the CBA says. Speaking of the CBA kind of not being on the side of the players anymore, we've got the Joey Bosa thing uh, uh, still being strung out. And today the Chargers released a statement, and we actually have some audio from that statement. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Basically, Dean Spanos, you know, doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to have anything to do with San Diego. It seems to me... Somebody reading between the lines, you know, he, they want to move and they don't want to be the bad guy in it. So they've decided to be the bad guy everywhere else so that when they leave, they can say, well, you guys didn't want me here anyways. Um, but more specifically, it looks like there's a strong possibility that Joey Bosa doesn't play this year and gets drafted next year. Right? That's insane. When's the last time that happened? Well, I mean, the last time something like something even close to this happened was when Eli Manning was drafted by the same guy. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. And basically, 
Archie Manning already knew what this guy was all about and said, hell no, you're not playing for that team. And forced a trade on them with a very... I mean, there's whole uh, shows on NFL Network dedicated to this like trade and this draft specifically. Um, so, like, I mean, that was a crazy draft. Eli Manning was drafted. Philip Rivers was drafted. Ben Roethlisberger was drafted. Um, and they there was the big trade. So, you know, Joey Bosa, uh, we're on your side at the very yeah. least. It's, it's funny, too, when you, when you talk about that draft because it, basically the Chargers, by drafting Eli and trading for Philip Rivers, said, we don't trust that Drew Brees can come back from a shoulder injury. Boy, they whiffed on that Yeah, one. they were a little bit wrong. They whiffed on that Just one. a little bit wrong. I mean, who would you rather have over the last decade, Philip Rivers or Drew Brees? Um, I don't think it's a tough call. Yeah. Um, but with Bosa, I mean, I don't know that, that uh, Spanos is trying to be the bad guy because I think you wouldn't put out that statement unless you wanted fan- to spin it so the fans think you're in the right and he's in the wrong. Well, okay. You're... The average fan's not going to dig deeper. And see, you know, other than that statement, I think I think I don't know if you give him enough credit. I think I think the average fan right now is digging a little bit deeper into this because it just keeps going on, you know. And if yes, if you're the kind of person who's only going to listen to your spin, like whatever is just presented to you, and not you know look for second opinions, look for other sources, then yeah, you know, you're going to think that Joey Bosa is another spoiled athlete. But the one thing I always think of in this, going all the way back to when you know they were on strike back in the '80s. And everyone said, I don't care because it's billionaires versus millionaires. And it, it, you know, that doesn't give the billionaires the excuse to act, you know, so poorly. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, It doesn't give them that excuse. (laughs) Um, But with this Bosa situation, um, like I said, they put put this out there that, you know, we offer them more money than we've ever offered to a rookie. We're giving him more of a a one-time payment than any other rookie in the last two classes has gotten. Well, number one, it's because you've waited so long you can't pay, the, pay it in installments. You have to pay it as a one-time payment. And right. number two, you have not drafted in the top ten since they drafted Eli in 2004. So during the C- current CBA, the highest pick they've had is 11th overall. Bosa's third. And you're not going to give 11 nearly as much money as three. And no other top five pick under this CBA has agreed to the terms that they are telling Bosa, you have to agree to this or we're not going to sign you. The, the sad part is Bosa's probably eventually going to sign – with what the Chargers want him to sign with because they have all the leverage in the situation. And I think in the end it's going to create, when the CBA is up in a few years, probably the most contentious CBA negotiations in the history of the league between player discipline and the contract situations, guaranteed money. The players are going to have a lot more power because the league knows that they can't can't do another lockout, they can't do a strike because they just had the threat of the lockout. They just had the refs lockout for a couple of weeks and stuff like they don't want more labor troubles and uh they'll be willing to give up a little bit of ground i think yeah but there's but they there's, should be there's so much they have to give up ground on at this point i mean over the, just over there's the last so many years, different things that... when you just look at, i mean the league has manipulated and taken advantage of the players for decades between the concussion stuff and the discipline stuff and all of it and it's all going to come to a head in the next cba negotiations I think it's going to be a mess. I think, I mean, there's already been players. There was a report of a guy in the Steelers, Ramon Foster, um, telling players, save up for the lockout that's coming. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be, there's going to be a work stoppage at, at the next CBA negotiations. Yeah. Well, um, we've got uh, Dion Lewis. He is going to require another surgery, apparently not related to his ACL tear, um, but he's going to start the season on the pup list. From when it was reported uh, earlier last week, uh, it was eight to ten weeks at the time, so he's going to miss 
at least six or seven games. Um, so if you drafted him, then uh, too bad, so sad. But this is what happens. Just ask anybody who drafted uh, Jordy Nelson last year. Yeah, that's why it's not fun drafting before uh, the third or fourth preseason game, but it yeah. happens. But you know what? When your guy goes down yep. in week two, it, that's not fun either. No. Nope. So, you know, it is what it is. Everyone drafts at the same time at least. Yeah, I mean, one minor thing. I mean, it's it's not a huge deal with this, but the the Patriots do have their bye in week five, so it's one less week that he's going to miss. Mm. Oh, that's good. Um, so they have an early bye, which helps. But, yeah, it, it stinks for them. Uh, I think the they biggest – Tom Brady week six. I mean, the biggest takeaway from this is the guy that you're going to want to own uh, instead is probably James White. Um, there's a trust factor with him in that offense. He proved it down the stretch last Garrett season. Garrett Blunt's going to get a nice bump too. I don't, I don't think he's so. He's a plotter, and Belichick loves him. He's a, he's a plotter, but it's a Patriots team that has throw, throws the ball over 75% of their snaps, I feel like. So, I mean, with Tom Brady. and Well, I think they trust Garoppolo in the short passing game too. Um, they trust him to run the offense, maybe not to the same at the same level as Brady, but not – that far short of it um i think they're still going to throw the ball a lot more than the average team which doesn't help legarrett blunt legarrett blunt's going to score a touchdown so punch it in at the goal line um but unless the matchup calls for a, a power run game the whole game those are going to be the weeks to play blunt i mean you know how bill belichick is he plays matchups oh, every yeah. week it's yeah, going th- yeah that's going to happen though that's that's what we we can expect the same thing out of the patriots offense is that one week, one guy will be awesome. The next week, another guy will be awesome. A few of the weeks, they'll both be okay. Yep. Um, it, rarely will none of them be any good, at least. <laughs> but you got to pick right. And, and if you can predict the matchups, then you can kind of, um, you know, play the odds, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, typically the safe, the safe plays in New England are Gronk and Brady. But <laughs> Brady's got to be on the field. Right. Um, so Carlos Williams was cut from the Bills because he spent way too much time sympathy snacking with his pregnant girlfriend. Um, so do you think that he can get picked up anywhere? Does he need to get back in shape? Should he have taken Arian Foster's strategy? He was pretty solid. He came on pretty solid. Nine right? touchdowns yeah. last year I mean, as a rookie. He had some uh, explosive plays. Like, yeah, he should get picked up somewhere. Where exactly? I don't know. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Who might I know be. he had an interview um, in New York for the Jets. I believe he also talked with the Redskins. Okay. So, yeah, there's teams interested, obviously. Redskins make sense. It's rare, honest. though, that a rookie that scores nine touchdowns is going to get cut yeah. well, before was, he starts the season. It was more than just the overweight thing. He also is on the hook to be suspended for the first four games of the year. Yes, so certainly for the Bills, it was like, we're not going to put up with a guy who's not a star who's giving us this big plate of shit. Nice boost for McCoy. I like McCoy. If he stays healthy, I think he's in for I a think, big year. I think it might be a bigger boost for their backups uh, because there's going to be, I mean, they the Bills under Rex Ryan run the ball as much as anybody in the league, um, and I think that one of the backups will be... You see that nasty catch he had in the end zone in the preseason? I did not. Oh. I did not see High rod, first drive of the game. They're going to get him mixed in. I think, but I think you will see a bit of Mike Gillisley or Jonathan Williams, whichever one ends up winning yeah. the backup job there. All right, so the NFL is getting rid of the probable tag on the injury report. Uh, do you think this is going to lead to more or less confusion uh, in the fantasy world? I think less. Well, here's the thing, and, and this is, I think, what's going to end up happening is that before, the rule is if somebody is injured in some way, you have to report it. Mm-hmm. If somebody's been getting treatment, you have to say that they're injured. And they most of the guys who it was just minor on, they'd be probable. And we all knew that 
probable is fine. But now all those guys are going to be questionable. Or they're going to be fine. Oh, well, if they have some sort of injury, they have to report it. And, then, and the, 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 so they're always well, the most if, mild is going to be. If any injury is reported, they're going to be questionable. Is what you're telling me? So, I think so. So Julio Jones is going to be like questionable every from single week, week two on. Well, Tom Brady has been probable or questionable every yeah. week of his career. I mean, well, you're used to that. I mean, I guess yeah. You just assume, but it'll be yeah. the same so, way. Yeah, like, more, more confusion. Yeah, I, I think that it's gonna. Yeah. I think they're trying to screw with. You know, people who bet on the game. I I don't. I think they wanted just less designations to make it a little bit of a more streamlined process, but they're leaving it up to the coaches to decide whether you're going to list somebody as not on the injury report or questionable. Um, The guys who have been listed as probable in the past, we'd like to believe that they'll just not be on the injury report. That's not going to be the case. These coaches love to have just that mental edge on the other team of them not knowing who's playing and who's not. So list all those probable guys as questionable, I think. And I think it's going to make it more frustrating for fantasy owners. You have to be more plugged into the beat writers who have a better idea of who's actually practicing, who's actually going to play. And you're going to have to pay close attention on the morning of when you announce the inactives. I mean, it's going to be a lot more effort needed from the fantasy player to know who's playing and who's not. Yeah, shoot. the Paying attention to the beat writers, that's something that Dave always harps on. You know, if you can follow those guys, you're going to know before Roto World, before anybody in your league, what's going on gives you the that advantage of picking up free agents. I mean, I'm I'm okay even with just following Roto World. They typically take their info from those beat writers. Exactly. You know, I mean that's that's how they figure it all out. Um So, finally, uh, Brashad Perriman of the Ravens, wide receiver, cut his dreads off, claims he's 4 pounds lighter. You think other guys should be doing this? I don't know. If they got, you know, to improve your athletic performance, cut your hair. Maybe the added weight helps out. Keeps him from getting Absolutely. tackled. <laughs> um, my only reason that I would say yes, you should take him off, has nothing to do with being able to move faster. It has to do with not being able to be tackled by your dreads. By the dreads, it's true. Because you can that's be not a horse tackle. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that's the only reason I'd say cut him off, because I don't think it's going to make him any faster. This isn't Le'Veon Bell losing 15 or 20 pounds in an offseason and becoming the best running back in the league. That's true. <laughs> he lost real weight, just like Eddie Lacy this year. Yeah. All right, uh, that's the news. Uh, Thank you, guys. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Now what you've all come here for, uh, it's time to talk some rookies. Um, well, at least what you've come here for, Sean. Well, yeah, that's why that's why you had me on. We have our we have our resident rookie expert, Sean Foss, who um, has, has one of the funnest bar talents that I've seen, which is you know picking the uh, the guys uh, picking not not picking but uh, Na- naming. Please where... explain it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very good at quickly naming where a player went to college. If, uh, yes, so if you, I mean, yes. Especially at fantasy-relevant positions, but even some other ones, too. So it, it would be like cheating, uh, but I, I do want to know, where did Paxton Lynch go to school? He went to Memphis. So, yeah, all these rookies are probably going to be really easy. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty, pretty familiar with the rookies. <laughs> all right, so we'll start out with the rookie uh, quarterbacks. Just uh, to let you know, we're going to talk a little bit about 
their value in dynasty as well as their value in uh, a redraft league because some of these guys don't have much redraft value uh, but they are important to know especially if you're playing in a dynasty league um but it won't be entirely focused on the dynasty. Anyways, uh, none of these quarterbacks uh, are have an ADP lower than 200. Um, so basically, they're not being drafted in redraft leagues. Their only relevance for being drafted this year is going to be in a dynasty league. Um, but we've got Jared Goff of the Rams. He was the first overall pick. Uh, we've seen a bit of him uh, do well and do very poorly on hard knocks. Uh, but Sean, what, what was your first impression? Did you think he was going to go first overall this year? Um. There was a lot of lot of news kind of going out there. It was it was always pretty clear that the first and second picks were going to be Jared Goff and Carson Wentz in some order. Um, but as it got close to the draft, I think it was pretty clear that Goff was going to be the pick. I think we all kind of knew that a week or two before the draft. <clears throat> I mean, I'm not I'm not surprised by it. He played against a higher level of competition in college than Wentz did, um, and he also played in a much, you know, much more NFL friendly scheme. Um, you know, Wentz's college team was a lot more of the ground game and him just kind of managing the game, being more of a mobile quarterback and running the option and things like that. Um, you know, there were multiple layers to that offense, but it wasn't so much a lot of quick reads, quick hitting passes that you need to throw in the NFL. And I feel like Goff, even though they ran the, you know, air, well, bear raid, as they called it, um, <clears throat> you know, at Cal, it was a mm-hmm. very, you know, spread out offense, you know, pass heavy. Um, but he still had to make quick reads and quick throws on point, you know, accurate short into inter, short to intermediate throws. Um, and he demonstrated his whole career at, at Cal that he could do that. He knew that offense like the back of his hand. And um, I think that's per- probably the biggest thing is that he's he made more NFL throws in college and more throws total in general than Wentz did. And that's probably why he went first overall. All right. So it does look like Case Keenum is going to be the starter this year, uh, at least to start the season. Um, so Goff, you know, he may get some starts towards the end of the year if they're if they're not playing very well, right? I honestly think Goff will be starting before the end of September. I think, and I don't, that's not a knock on Keenum that Keenum can't hold the spot a little longer. I think they expected Goff to be starting Week One, and he just hasn't shown. He's enough. just not quite ready. He's just not quite there in spring. I think I think by Week Two, Week Three, he's probably under center. If not Week One, I think there's still a chance um, if he does something special in the next couple of preseason games that he could start week one. I don't think that's impossible at this point. Well, they're 2-0 in the preseason so far. They're not giving up any points in the second half either. Yeah, I mean, that's still second string against second string, or th- potentially third against third at this yeah, point. So that's true. It doesn't mean anything for the regular season. I mean, we all know that... You the mean year... the preseason doesn't mean anything? Just remember, <laughs> the year the Lions went 0-16, they were undefeated in the preseason. <laughs> uh, and Peyton Manning probably went 0-4 in the preseason as a Colt three or four different times. Yeah, and then they'd always open the season with at least ten straight wins. That's true. They they would win lots of games all the time. Uh, so Carson Wentz, uh, the other of the one-two punch, he is in Philadelphia. Uh, he is behind Sam Bradford right now. So you know, Carson Wentz. Uh, I think he has. You know, like I was saying about Goff, I think they both have a chance to be starting later in the year if they're you know if their team is struggling. Uh, but like you said with Goff, if they're planning on having him go from week one anyways. But it doesn't seem like with Wentz that they were going to have him start right away regardless, right? No, I think the plan there is for him to sit the whole year. I think there's going to be a lot of weeks early in the season where he's a healthy scratch and doesn't even dress. Doesn't even, okay. Um, I think Chase Daniel will be the backup. Um, I mean, he was the backup in Kansas City. The new uh, head coach in Philly is Doug Peterson, who was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. 
So he's very comfortable with Chase Daniel. Um, so if something happens to Bradford early in the year, I, I think Daniel is the guy who would step in. Yeah, they um, and they like Bradford. They gave him like $25 million. I, I don't think there's any reason to consider Wentz in any sort of redraft league, even two quarterbacks, because I wouldn't expect him to start until very late in the year, if at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Eagles are not as good as they were the last couple of years in terms of just talent on the team. So, I, I mean, unless Doriel Green Beckham steps in and makes a huge impact or somebody in the running game gets going or, you know, something along those lines, I'd be surprised if the Eagles don't at some point turn to Wentz late in the season, even if Bradford's playing okay. Um, okay. Uh, so, over in Denver, that's become kind of an interesting quarterback uh, situation. It looks like Mar- Mark Sanchez has played his way out of the starting job, but fumbled it away, if you will. Um so not Paxton Lynch, but Trevor Simeon will be the starter there. Paxton Lynch, probably the number two now. Is he someone who they're going to kind of try to groom to be a starter? I mean, he was a, what, a fifth-round pick? Um, yeah, Simeon, I don't remember the exact round that he was No, I meant in. Lynch. Oh, Lynch was a first-rounder. Oh, he was. Oh, that's right, late first round. Okay. Yeah, yeah, the Broncos traded up, I think, to take him in the okay, first so, round. Okay, so he, there's, he's someone who they want to groom, who they want to be a starter by the end of the year, by next year. Yeah, I mean, I I think if Simeon opens the year as the starter, it's very likely that Lynch is starting games at some point this season. I think I mean I don't think that that starting job is set in stone yet either. I think Sanchez could still win it if Simeon falls on his face in a preseason game or Sanchez plays well. I mean Sanchez has a lot more experience um, at the NFL level at the NFL regular season NFL action. Yeah. Um, so there's still a chance that that Simeon gets beat out by Sanchez if Sanchez starts. He may hold that job. I mean, this is a Denver team that had subpar quarterback play all year last year and won the Super Bowl. So they're talented and capable of win, talented enough and capable of winning throughout the regular season with subpar quarterback play. So if Sanchez can win the job, and you trust that he's not going to lose games for you, he may start all year. I think Simeon will have a much shorter leash than Sanchez would if he were to win the job, and that means before the end of the year, I think Lynch is starting games, even if they're going okay. I don't think that job's won yet. I don't either. Yeah. I, I'm really interested to see what happens week three for them. Uh, I hope they all almost get a shot against the starting defense, each get a drive or something like that. Well, they're going to play the Rams. Yeah, uh, Simeon is getting the start in the third preseason game. He is the guy who's going to start to open the game. Okay, excellent. Um, so, you know, of those guys, of those three, um, because I don't think Dak Prescott is necessarily in the same group as them at all, um, which one of them would you want to have on your dynasty team? Um, the safest of the three is absolutely Jared Goff. I think his career arc will be similar to, say, Matt Ryan. Okay. If I had to think of an NFL QB to kind of compare what I think he'll be in the NFL, I'd say Matt Ryan. But as far as upside, my favorite one of the group is Paxton Lynch. I think he's got a perfect fit in Denver. Um, I think his skill set is built for a Gary Kubiak offense. Um, and I think he can be a really, really good strong quarterback for them for a long time. He has the size and athleticism to run the way Cam Newton does. I mean, he's six foot seven and fast. <laughs> and he's big. I mean he's built not necessarily as much like a linebacker as Cam Newton is. But he But, he but he's not run. lanky like Brock Osweiler. No, he's built. He can run the football. Um oh, I didn't realize he was so tall. I think um I like I like Wentz, but in our dynasty league that we're in, I drafted Lynch ahead of Wentz. I right. like Lynch better. Um, I just think Wentz, there's way more opportunity for him to fail at the NFL level because he just hasn't played against this level of competition before. 
And then the guy who's impressed on his team probably the most this season is Dak Prescott on the Cowboys. You know, the Cowboys lost Kellen Moore uh, early in the season, early in the preseason, so they didn't have a backup. And a backup in Dallas is really important because Tony Romo, you know, whenever he goes down, it's always the season that they needed him the most. Um, so he, it looks like he's going to play his way into the number two spot there because they really like him. Could he one day be the successor to Tony Romo on the team? I, I don't see why he can't be. I mean, he's he's a good athlete. I mean, he was really strong for Mississippi State for the last couple of years. Um, I also, I mean, he's obviously lit it up in the preseason. His numbers have been through the roof. You can make the argument you're against vanilla defenses, backups that aren't really trying to show you too much. Yeah. But if, if that was the case, why aren't other guys doing that in the preseason? Exactly. He's been one of the best QBs the entire preseason. And I think that it's very realistic that he could be the successor to Romo. Yeah. And I think if something happens to Romo, I think he's already won the second QB job on that team. I think if something happens to Romo, Prescott would step in. But obviously the hope in Dallas is that Prescott does not start a game right. this year. <laughs> I'm sure that they're all open that. And he's got a good Texas quarterback name. Dak. Dak, Dak Prescott, yeah. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of these rookies play uh, towards the end of the year. I would imagine is when we'll get to see most of them. Um, yeah, I mean. And then, you know, a little Jared Goff on uh, Hard Knocks. Um, a little Dak Prescott in week three when Tony Romo breaks his collarbone. <laughs> yeah, I think the only guys to really consider in terms of redraft, I think obviously if something, I mean, if one of them becomes a starter and you're in a two-quarterback league, you can consider him. Goff, sure. you should at least Everybody's have up for grabs at that point. But Goff should be on your radar entering the season if you're in a two-quarterback league just because he is likely going to start early in the season at some point. He just needs more weapons, though. All right, and then the rookie that everyone knows that everyone is drafting is Ezekiel Elliott uh, of the Cowboys. He's behind that amazing offensive line that made Darren McFadden look like a pro bowler last year. Imagine what they'll do for a really good running back. You know, we already know what they did for... A guy who's very talented in um, Demarco Murray, you know. Imagine Ezekiel Elliott, like a once every ten years talent. Um, what he can do behind that. So his ADP is seven. He's the fourth running back off the board right now. Um, unless your team is or your league is allergic to rookies, he is not surviving the first round in anybody's draft. So uh, first round drafted rookies. I mean, how many of those have, have there been lately? None that I can think of. Um, are you just talking about the running back position? Just well, even at wide receiver, oh, okay. there haven't in terms, been any. In terms, of in terms of fantasy, so my my biggest argument there is that if Todd Gurley were not coming off of an ACL injury last season, he could have been. There's a chance he's a first or second round fantasy pick. Yeah, and and Zeke's not an automatic first rounder. I mean, we had uh, you know our our um, yeah, we our did have a, here, a league. And that was, I think, uh, our drink five league that we have. It's a standard league. It's ten teams, and I got Zeke early in the second round. Okay. So I mean, he, he not necessarily an automatic first round pick, but I did take him in our in our draft at twelve overall. Uh, well, yeah, and that's probably good value there, to be honest. I, I agree. And you know what? One of the things that we were talking about in all of our draft shows is that take wide receivers, wide receivers, wide receivers. And for the most part, I think a lot of people sort of started doing that. I think in mo- both of the uh, leagues I drafted that weekend, there was seven wide receivers out of the first round. Yeah. Which is more than I had seen in any ADP in most of the mock drafts I had done. True. And the, the one thing, I mean, I don't know if you guys have kind of seen some of the criticism of, of Zeke on Twitter and everywhere else. 
um, from the average fan. But the, the big argument that people have against him is he's a rookie. You haven't seen him, seen him do it at the NFL level. You haven't seen him on the field. So to trust him as a top three, top four running back is unheard of. They don't want to do it. Right. Um, but you know what? And, and Fantasy football is about projecting, not about what happened in the past. We've been slowly learning that. It, it helps to know what's in the past, but it's more important to project. But, but again, the situation with, with Zeke, he is in a better situation than Todd Gurley was last year in terms of the team and the talent around him. Absolutely. He is as good a player. He's not coming off of an ACL injury. He's coming off of a minor hamstring injury. He's going to play the third preseason game. And the one thing that often keeps rookies off the field as, you know, as a rookie running back is pass protection. And almost every scout I've heard talk about his pass protection skills say he's one of the best they've seen in the last 10, 15 years. He's not going to be kept off the field because he can't pass protect. He's going to be the starter from day one. Forget about Alfred Morris. Forget about uh, Darren McFadden. Zeke is going to be the workhorse there. And he's, in, he's got the best offensive line in the league in front of him. He will be a top five running back barring injury. All right, Mike, do you like Ezekiel Elliott? I mean, are you going to be drafting him anywhere if he no. falls to you? No. Maybe, just just maybe, no rookie running backs? Maybe late second. Okay. I had I, the choice because I drafted 10-11 uh, uh, after you, and I took <clears throat> AP because AP was still there, and I can't remember who I – Allen Robinson maybe? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you drafted uh, Allen Robinson, but that wasn't you. That was – Mojo Jojo. He took um, Allen Robinson and Lamar Miller. I'm thinking the other I, league. I'll say this. Lamar Miller is also a really You did good take Adrian there. Peterson in that league. But then you took Cam Newton. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. I did not take Cam Newton. Aren't you Dave? No. You're Biggs. Yes. Ah. Uh, uh, the team names don't stop screwing anybody up. Even when Dave's not here, it screws everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> Your first two picks were Julio Jones and Le'Veon Bell. Um, just for the... Uh, sake of including everybody, my first two picks were Jordy Nelson and Rob Gronkowski. And and I'm going to say this too. You mentioned late second for Zeke. If your plan is to, if he's there in the late second, take him. You will not own him in any leagues. Yeah, that's that's the plan. I don't. I like his opportunity. It's just I have a hard time putting stock in my first or second round pick on a rookie. I have a really hard time doing it. I, I, I can't argue with that. Like, I don't feel good about doing that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, when you see him do well, you're going to say, oh, of course that's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if he does really well. Neither but then again, I. if he flops for some weird reason or something I, happens, I'm, I'm not going to say, hi, I told you so. I'm just going to say, you know, eh, that's why you don't. That's why you don't draft rookies. I mean, I mean, Jason. I don't know if you can pull it up really quickly. Do you know where Adrian Peterson ranked his rookie season in terms of fantasy running backs? I think he was up there. Like and to finish the season or yeah. to start? To so start to finish the year. Where did what he year was his rookie year. year? To finish um, the year, I think he was a top running back. I think his rookie year. But I where would, was he drafted? Um, I bet curious. I can find this. I know you're how right. To he was probably drafted as an as an RB two. So you're saying Ezekiel is the next Adrian Peterson? I think I think Ezekiel's in a better situation than Adrian Peterson was as a rookie. All right. Uh, 2007 fantasy. So here's the rankings. Um. Uh, is it the end of the year? Well, you know, LaDainian Tomlinson first. Well, well while you look Adrian at Adrian Peterson up, was the 26th rookie. They're 26th running back. 
behind rookie Marshawn Lynch, but ahead of rookie Brandon Jackson. And where did he finish? Oh, Brandon Jackson, what a what a winner there. Where did he end up in terms of... Like finishing the season? Yeah. I think Mike's right. I think he was the number one overall that year. Yeah, so that's the thing. It's like you can be afraid to pick a guy like Zeke because, you know, he's a rookie. I'm much more comfortable drafting a rookie in the... You know, in the tenth round, yes. twelfth round, yes, exactly. But but the upside is is the same, and I would say the floor on Zeke, like I said, if he stays healthy, the floor on him is probably the RB five. Nice. I mean, that's how good it is. And I'll say this too: if you're in a dynasty league, he should be the first player taken. Period. And if you're in a rookie draft, he should be the first guy off the board. I don't think he was in ours, was he? Yeah, he was. Oh, he was. He, was. he absolutely was in ours. All right, I'm about to crack open a Deschutes Fresh Squeezed IPA. I've Give actually almost, I'm almost finished my second beer, which was a Revolution Oktoberfest. Getting myself in the mood for football season. It here. is definitely the time for, uh, that is a football beer, you know, an Oktoberfest beer. I was just saying the other day, I don't really go out and buy Oktoberfest and pumpkin beers. But because so many people come over to my house to watch football, they all just bring those beers over for me. Well, yeah, and I... <laughs> I prefer, I mean, Oktoberfest and pumpkin are not the same thing. <laughs> no, no, not at all. They are definitely not the same thing. I prefer an Oktoberfest over a pumpkin beer. But the pumpkin beers come all the same. Uh, so we do have a question uh, from the chat room. And remember, uh, you guys can listen to us live. If you happen to be listening to us at a later time, uh, we normally broadcast on Tuesday nights starting at 830 Central. You can join us in the chat room, ask us questions. You can always tweet us at drink 5 uh, and we'll answer as many questions as we can. So here you go, guys. It's a long one. Uh, pick a running back that is not currently being drafted in a standard league but could finish within the top 25 at the end of the season. So the ones you're given are Jordan Howard, who is uh, on the Bears, Kenneth Dixon, who is um, on the Ravens. Uh, you've got C.J. Proceis on the Seahawks, and Paul Perkins, who is give – me, give me a hand here. Uh, do you wonder where he went to school or no, the no, NFL team? Both. He went to UCLA. <laughs> UCLA was his college. He's on the New York Giants. Okay, on the Giants. Um, so, follow-up question. Will Christine Michael surpass all of them in fantasy production? I think you can now guess who asked that question. So, uh, your, your is, options is are... Is that the member of the podcast who's not here? We'll, we'll, we'll just leave a beer and an empty seat for him and a microphone okay. that's not plugged okay. in. Um, and, and a Christine Michael jersey. <laughs> so the question is uh, Running backs who could finish in the top 25 Jordan Howard, Kenneth Dixon Proceis, Paul Perkins So there, there's four guys there um, I think that uh, CJ Proceis Can finish because Thomas Rawls was just a rookie We don't know what could happen with him um, And I think that You know There's an outside chance that Jordan Howard could as well Because you know for the first time in, what, eight years, we don't have Matt Forte on the Bears. So Langford's looked really good, uh, but he could get hurt or he could wind up being ineffective after three weeks. So I think that um, both of th those are the two out of those four that are the best chance in my book. Who do you like on that group, Mike? I like Christian Michael. You like Christian Michael yeah, over all of them? Yeah, I like him to take the, uh, take the Seattle job and run away with it. Interesting. Christine Michael. So for me, the guy on that list that I think is the most likely to be a top 25 running back is Kenneth Dixon. Uh, and my reasoning is because that Baltimore running back, the backfield there is so unsettled. You have no idea who's going to play what role at this point. 
I mean, Forsett may be the starter again. Uh, Terrence West may be the starter. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Buck Allen could factor in in passing down. So can Dixon. Dixon has the skill set to be a three-down back. It's just a matter of him proving that and being trusted as a three-down back. So I think he has a better chance of earning that kind of role than anyone else because I think in New York, there's it's a little crowded too, but Rashad Jennings is clearly number one. Exactly. That's um, why Paul Perkins, I don't think, makes that's it. That's why I think Paul list. Perkins, yeah, I, same here. I don't think Baltimore has a chance of producing one running back in the top 25. <laughs> I, think I don't un- think there is any chance. I any think you're severely underestimating the Baltimore Ravens offense. No, Steve well, I Smith, think they're going to have so many different Steve running backs Smith. kind of contributing. Honestly, they're not going to have one guy in the top 25. I honestly think Steve Smith is going to finish third on that team in fantasy points among receivers. Third among receivers? Third is Rashad among- Perriman with no. his new slick look going to... He's not one of the two I'd put ahead of him. So I assume you've got uh, Kamari Aiken. Yes. And who's the other one? 60 Minutes. Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace. Really? I trust Joe Flacco. Why, what, what, why is his nickname 60 Minutes? Because there was a guy who used to anchor 60 Minutes named Mike Wallace. Oh, okay. So they <laughs> call him 60 Minutes. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's why I call him that, at least. Uh, I've, I've heard it before a long time ago, but I don't think anyone's mentioned that in a while because Mike Wallace is no longer on 60 Minutes. But um, the, uh, the reason why I say that, I think people maybe have forgotten this without seeing Flacco throw much last year. He has one of the better deep balls in the NFL. Oh, he is maybe the best. And Mike, I think Other Mike, than, like, Aaron Rodgers. Mike Wallace has a chance to go back to being Steelers, Mike Wallace, this season. If you remember, I mean, he was outstanding. Well, Dave says that Wallace that and... Threat. Wallace and Flacco have been blowing it up in practice. I think Wallace is going to surprise you. I think he's going to be much better than people expect. He's had, I mean, two years ago he was productive for the Vikings, right? Or yeah. was it the Dolphins? I don't know. He's bounced around. He was so on the much. he was on the Dolphins. He was on the Vikings, and but, I didn't. But he had a year. We had like seven touchdowns in the first half of the season. He can be really a. Productive but they were receiver. all like, "What? How did that happen? Touchdowns? It's like Eddie Royal. It's like this shouldn't be happening, and I don't want to trust it." But if I had started him, I'd be killing everybody. Yeah, you, you have to remember too, though he was so good in Pittsburgh that people signed him to be a number one receiver. He oh, I has know. Has the talent to be a good fantasy producer. I think Steve Smith is going to be on his last legs, and he's coming off an Achilles injury. Like that, that's a tough thing to come back from at full strength. And I think Kamar Aiken just has trust as that possession slot receiver. He's going to produce, especially in PPR leagues. I think Michael. Okay, we're getting off track though because we were talking about rookie running. I was backs. about to just go off on Steve Smith too, but yeah, that's fine. Um, so getting back to, it, I like Kenneth Dixon. Um, one other guy that's not mentioned in there that may be closer to a big role is um, DeAndre, DeAndre Washington of the Raiders. Um, less heralded, he's going to immediately be the passing down back. But if anything happened to Latavius, he's the full time back. They don't have somebody else. Yeah, you know, so I think he has a real shot to be a top twenty five back as well. Latavius was like a top 10 or top 12 running back last year on volume alone. Um, so if he, something happened to him, I think De- DeAndre Washington has a big role. All right, so let's move down our rookie list. Um, we've got Derrick Henry in Tennessee. Um, his ADP is currently 103. He's the 38th running back coming off the board. So you, you just mentioned them. Um, basically, you know, I think that this is a guy who deserves to be drafted for sure. Uh, he's good depth. Um, and, you know, you never know what's going to happen with DeMarco Murray. He could get injured easily, I think. That's another one I want to closely watch this third game to see the the split almost that they use with DeMarco. I don't know if they're going to run the wheels off DeMarco 
and uh, I think he's going to get his time, and he's looked good in the preseason. He has. Um, I honestly think Derrick Henry's a more talented running back. I think Henry's better than DeMarco Murray. He, yep. Yeah, it, his uh, reports out of camp have been pretty positive. Yep. The uh, I mean, he's. It's funny because you watch him; he's big. You question, like, just you know, how fast is he? How good can he be at the NFL level? A guy that size is going to take a beating. Mm-hmm. He carried the ball, God knows how many times in Alabama. I mean, you could look it up; it was an insane number of carries last season. I think so he went you over. You need a computer. I probably do. I don't have one in front of me. I think he carried the ball over forty times three different games last season. I mean, that's an absurd number for a college running back. Uh, I mean, again, I may be exaggerating, but I know he had some hefty carry numbers last season. Um, But I think that he'll be the guy at the goal line, for starters. He's definitely going to be better at the goal line than DeMarco Murray. And one thing that I think you see with Murray that people don't always notice is he runs a lot laterally. What the hell? So last year in 15 games, he had 395 carries. I told you, the numbers were nuts. (laughs) That's more than twenty five carries a game, right? He had he had forty six and forty four carries were his season high, and they were in back to back games. Did he have any other ones at forty or higher? Or no? He had a thirty eight, um, a thirty two. So like, I, I was wrong. I was wrong. He only had two, but he had a couple more that were close to forty carries. Um, he carried the ball one hundred and fifty times in the last four games. So so again, people <laughs> question just how durable he's going to be after carrying the ball that many times last year. But how great has he looked in the preseason? Mm. He looks fresh. He looks well, look fine. in the championship game. He had thirty six carries, one hundred and fifty eight yards, and three touchdowns in the biggest game of the year. Yeah. Like and it's you, amazing. And you never see a guy with his kind of size with the kind of explosiveness that he has for that size. I mean, he's he's going to be an incredible this pro. this is this is 15 games and it crushes the best season by a, a running back in the NFL ever I mean there were a lot of 200 2219 yards and 28 touchdowns one season yeah there were a lot of people who were down on him though coming into this year I mean think about it. go back to dynasty drafts go back just kind of talking about the rookie class it was Zeke and then everyone was trying to put other guys ahead of him because they can catch passes because they can do other things like Kenneth Dixon or Devonte Booker or you know, uh, C.J. Proceis or anyone else out there, they're trying to find reasons to put these guys ahead of Derrick Henry. We were wrong to do that. Derrick Henry <laughs> is the second best running back in this class. So Dave, uh, he, he points out the counterpoint to Derrick Henry in that uh, he only had 17 total college receptions. I was looking for that. It actually wasn't even listed on his stat page. Uh, so, you know, the Titans, they're not a great team. They could be playing from behind a lot. They won't be able to run the ball just endlessly with Derrick Henry, with De- DeMarco Murray. You know, but, is that going to mean that Murray's in the game more? Just because they're, they need a guy like to I think they still like Dexter McCluster, and he's still going to be, you know, the passing down guy there. Call me crazy, but he's going to – he's still, I think, going to be worked in on third downs I think they need to plant Derrick Henry in front of a catching machine for like a month, and then they'll be fine. Yeah, how about on Hard Knocks, that lineman just catching the bullets one-handed? Well, I, it helps when your hand is like three feet long. Yeah, it was still incredible. I do, question, was. I do question how how Dexter McCluster fits into the, the offense titled Exotic Smash Mouth. Um, <laughs> there's nothing Smash Mouth about him. No, but there's something Smash Mouth about Derrick Henry. <laughs> so, I mean, I think the Titans offense is going to be better than people think it is. Um, I mean, you look at what it was last year. And it's hard to argue that they that they didn't upgrade the offense this offseason. Um, you know, the guys around Mariota are going to be strong. Not only I mean, that, but getting rid of Doriel Green-Beckham is probably going to help them as well. See, I like Green-Beckham, but even losing him, even if he ends up hitting his ceiling, you still added 
Rashard Matthews to the offense. You still right. added Tajay Sharp, who was a dominant well, you're, player in the you're, map. You're kind of trimming the fat. Like They didn't want to keep trying to get him to come around. They yeah, were done I'm, trying that. I'm sad that it was him and not Justin Hunter that got that treatment. Uh, Hunter's another epic disappointment there. But, but yeah, again, but he's on his way out. But they then again, all use you, you look at what they had last year. Yeah, they lose DGB, but they've added DeMarco Murray, Derrick Henry, uh, Tajay Sharp, and Rashard Matthews in one offseason. And, and not to mention, they made a trade. They brought in an O-lineman who's going to make their line better with that DGB trade. Uh, that, that O-lineman is about as... Like helpful to the team as DGB was at the He's time. He's going to step in and start over a guy who'd been disappointing anyway. He will be a starter? He's probably going to start in Tennessee. It'll be one of those, well, you're a little bit better than the other guy sort of thing. He's a swing guy you can move around. Okay. So I think he's going to end up being more helpful than people would guess. Um, but, yeah, their offense as a whole got better this offseason. They added pieces to make it better. Yeah. And I think that means they're going to be in more scoring positions, and Henry's going to score a ton of touchdowns. He's going to get the ball at the goal line. Um, it may take a few weeks for him to really start to see his workload go up, but late in the season, he will be a big factor in that offense when they're going to try to just wear you down with the run game. All right, and a couple guys who are being drafted at the end of the draft, um, Kenneth Dixon of the of the Ravens. He's uh, ADP 159. He's the 52nd running back off the list. Uh, C.J. Proceis is ADP 156. He's the 51st guy. And Devontae Booker is 155. He's the 50th guy. So all those guys, rookies, all getting taken sort of at the end of drafts, um, kind of flyers at this point. We talked about all those guys except for Devontae Booker. You know, Booker is in a clear backup role at the moment. He's behind C.J. Anderson. Looks like they're going to cut Ronnie Hillman um, so that they have room for, you know, Booker and stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I don't really see a whole lot of work for Booker right now just because, you know, as long as C.J. Anderson is healthy, they're going to want to give him the ball a lot. Yeah, but the nice thing with Booker is that, and, and Anderson for the mo- for the most part, is both guys profile as a three-down back, so they're interchangeable. So it's going to be easier to be so more... So they can just sub him for a whole series. Right, so it's not going to be like, we're going to go to him on third downs and throw him the football, like a Charles Sims, like a Theo Rick, right. where they're going right. to come in and catch passes, or you know, like a like C.J. Proceis. Like a Ducks uh, from a cluster. <laughs> I mean, He's going to come in and get smashed. We're talking about good football players over here, Mike. Hey! <laughs> No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just He's been doing this thing a while. He has, but I mean, I I'd be I bet you you'd be hard pressed to find a year he was a top forty running back. Oh come on, he's just, better than that. No, he really isn't. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look this up. A top forty? Uh, top forty running back. I think there's maybe one or two seasons he may have topped that. I mean, we're talking about guys like Darren Sproles, who's been a top thirty running back every year, even though no one wants to draft him. Or, you know, like I said, Charles Sims, who went for over a 1,000 yards Oh, I'm not saying draft Dexter McCluster. I was just saying no. he's going to be out there on third downs occasionally for the Titans. Your name and power. What was that? Who knows? But, like, stop doing stuff. But like I said, it, the, the Broncos can be a little more unpredictable in how they deploy Devontae Booker just because he's kind of interchangeable in that role. He's still the backup. It's going to be C.J. Anderson's role. But if mm-hmm. anything happened to Anderson, Booker is the guy you want because it sounds like Ronnie Hillman might not even make the mm-hmm. team. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, long term, Booker's had some injury health issues, um, but I still think that there's a chance he eventually takes over. But CJ's still young too. CJ's only 26 or 27, so he's got a few years left. Um, so it's really questionable whether or not Booker ever takes over. So I think I downgrade him in dynasty, but he's not a bad late flyer to take in a redraft league. Um, and then finally, we've got Jordan Howard on the Bears. 
Um, he is ADP 186, RB 59. Not really draftable by most standards in most leagues. Um, but maybe a guy to keep an eye on, depending on how well Jeremy Langford performs in the first couple weeks. You know, they do have, I think, a couple of tough matchups to start with. They play Houston in week one. Um, so, uh, you know, do you think that he's going to have much action this year? Oh, Eagles and Cowboys after that. And then Lions. He'll get some work. Langford, that is. Yeah. Um, I think there was a lot of talk about Langford uh, suddenly being or fighting for that job, being the starting back with Howard being drafted. But I think it was a lot of Right it, after the draft, yeah. But I think a lot of it was overblown. I mean, especially that they didn't go out and... I mean, yeah, they it went It seems out. like it since he's, you know, <clears throat> been playing very well so far. They considered bringing in C.J. Anderson. They talked to... I think there was another uh, free agent they talked they to. They probably talked CJ. to Lamar Miller. I know they made an offer to C.J. and C.J. turned it down. But um, the fact is, they were grooming Langford to take over for Forte for a lot of last season. He was. This was the role he was being groomed for. He's going to step in and be the starter from the beginning of the year. Um, Jordan Howard's more of a power back. He's not going to catch many passes out of the backfield. He's going to run the ball between the tackles. But he also ran on an Indiana team that had an incredible offensive line. Um, very underrated offensive line. I remember watching them play Michigan, and you knew the entire game. All they're going to do is hand the ball to Jordan Howard. And Michigan couldn't stop him. It was <laughs> doesn't one, matter. They literally had to drive. They ran the ball like ten times in a row and scored a touchdown. It was like... At some point, you have to stop them. Yeah. Their O-line was great. He could read the read the blocks and hit the hole. Um, the only real red flag on, on Langford, though, is that he dropped a lot of passes last year. If he can clean that up, he's going to take the starting job and run with it and probably be a top 20 running back. Drops are the thing that you know doesn't don't usually bother me. I feel like that's one of the easiest things to work on. Yeah, but he had some some crucial ones, some third down plays and things like that that were just crucial drops. That you you can fix happen. mental mistakes. You can fix like things that take repetition, you know, to fix. But true, true. But in the, in the current climate, you can't fix of, like being slow. In the current climate of the NFL, though, with the way the fans are, with the way coaching is, or the front offices treat coaches and things like that, how far would you let it go if you if the say the Bears start zero and four and he has two crucial drops at the end of games that they could win? Well, sure. You, you know, know what I mean? The, yeah. the fans will be calling for his head. It's gotta, it does office. matter, yeah. you know, what, what that's, you know, so, the I mean, situation. So you say those are fixable everything. things, but if he makes a couple mistakes and they lose a couple hey, things because it's of certain, it. It's always possible hurt. that he can't fix it, but I, I, I'm more confident in things like that than I am in things like, well, can he stay healthy, uh, you know. Stuff that you can work on and is relatively harmless, I, I feel mm. good that, like, you can turn that shit around. Yeah, and and for Howard, as far as dynasty prospects, he's a good second or third round rookie pick. Um, just on the off chance that he beats out Kadeem Carey for some goal line work um, and can score some touchdowns, but I feel like long term they think Langford is their guy. All right, um, so I think you know I, I want to ask you for every position. Who do you want in your dynasty team? Who do you want this year? But it's clear <laughs> that answer is Ezekiel Elliott on both. Oh yeah, for this See, one, and, and then right after that would be Derrick Henry. I would on, assume on both. Same. I'd have Henry both second for both because I think he has got a better yeah. position than anyone else this year. Um, you know, in terms of the role they're going to have as a rookie. Um, but beyond him, I would say the next guys, you especially in PPR formats, are the rookies who are going to be the pass catchers. Um, which are going to be DeAndre Washington of the Raiders. Okay. Um, and to a lesser degree, Josh Ferguson of the Colts. All right. Those are two guys who I think are going to be a What about Procise? Isn't he going to be a pass catcher guy? 
I would say yes, but he's been dealing with a lot of hamstring injuries and things. He's right. going to catch some passes. I guess I'd put him on par with Ferguson, maybe a little ahead of Josh Ferguson. Um, you know, because Ferguson's an undrafted guy who's still running behind Frank Gore um, in Indianapolis. But he's a shifty pass catcher who's not going to play between the tackles. Procise could be more of a gadget player. They can line him up at wide receiver. They can line him up at running back. He went – actually, he bounced around positions at Notre Dame. He was actually recruited as a safety then switch to wide receiver and then to running back at Notre Dame. <laughs> um, so he's, he's a very skilled pass catcher, can run a full route tree, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So they can use him as a gadget player and split him out wide or, you know, some, some ways they can get him involved. Um, but I feel like they like the guys they have at receiver already. Um, and they really don't throw to the running back. I guess, well, I guess I take it back because Fred Jackson caught some passes down the stretch last year. Um, Fred I, Jackson. Fred That's Jackson, a name I haven't heard in quite a while. He was a big part of the Seahawks offense the second half of last season. He really was. Uh, um, I don't know about a big part. I mean, mm. they couldn't run the ball once Rawls got hurt. You were running Christine Michael as your lead back, and Jackson is Which the is why I'm back. fairly certain that Christine Michael is not going to be doing anything. I don't know. They, they're saying he had an awakening, whatever that means. <laughs> He's awake. an awakening. He Same. is the preseason yeah. champion and the you know postseason or regular season, blah. Yeah, and that's that's the big thing with, with ProSize that worries me too is that if something were to happen to Thomas Rawls and he goes down, ProSize doesn't become the every down back. He doesn't suddenly step into that role because you have Christine Michael, you have Alex Collins, who are both better suited to the between-the-tackles work than ProSize. Um, all right, so let's move on to the wide receivers. Um, were there any quarterbacks that we didn't get to that you wanted to mention? Because uh, I know that I didn't ask you that when we finished the quarterbacks. Um, honestly, I don't think there's anyone that we really didn't get to. I think the the one name to kind of pay attention to down the road might be Connor Cook, but he'd have to get out of Oakland, or something would have to happen to Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, I think. I mean, you're you're not going anywhere in a place with a young quarterback. I think he's got work to do to develop to be a good NFL quarterback. But we would have said the same thing about Kirk Cousins two three years ago, and now he's being drafted as a top fifteen quarterback. You know, so, you've I mean, got to be given the chance. Really, is all it is. So yeah, keep an eye on Connor Cook. Um, that's probably the only guy that got drafted outside of the four that we mentioned. I mean, Cardale has some upside long term, but I mean, who knows? Those athletic guys. You have to, developing the passing part of it is the hard part. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, you can't teach the athleticism and the arm strength that Cardale has, but it's the mental part that's hard to teach. Um, you know that that you need to play at the NFL level. The, the the athleticism as a running QB is a bonus. If you're an NFL quarterback, you have to be able to play in the pocket and make throws. And it's a matter – I mean, we saw Cardale sail a lot of throws at Ohio State. Um, he'd, have, he'd have to work on a lot of things to kind of develop into the guy, a guy who can be a productive quarterback for fantasy purposes. So not even really – like end of the dynasty sort of relevance yeah, oh, at this point. Yeah, absolutely. In a dynasty league, if, if you have if it's a deeper league, absolutely take a flyer on Cardale because of the athleticism, because of the cannon arm. Because if you can put the rest together, those things give him a leg up on other guys. If you have the luxury together. of holding on to somebody for a couple of years. Yeah, sure. But it, as far as redraft, I think if something were to happen to Tyrod, I don't know that Cardale is the guy who starts right after. Yeah. So uh, starting at the wide receivers, we've got Laquan Treadwell of the Minnesota Vikings. His ADP is 135. He's the 48th wide receiver off the board. So a lot of these guys are being drafted as depth at the moment. Um, 
you know, I, I know personally I end up drafting seven or eight wide receivers on most of my teams. So, you know, I, I definitely am looking at these guys down at the bottom of the draft for who to pick up at the end of the, of the draft. Um, so, you know, you've got Treadwell, you've got Josh Doxson of the Redskins. He's uh, being drafted at 165, the 56th wide receiver off the board. Um Corey Coleman, Sterling Shepard, Michael Thomas. Would you say that those are all kind of like the top tier, the five guys in the top tier? Yeah, those are those are the top five, especially when you're talking about talent and long-term projection. Those are the top five guys for sure. Um, I don't think there's anyone else that would crack that group. Um, I, I mean, Laquan Treadwell has – I mean, his measurables are similar to Allen Robinson. Um, you know, he dominated in college, but he That's has – a good measurement. He, well, again, well, the <laughs> part of that though is a, is a slow forty time. Um, I think, I think A. Rob ran four sixty, uh, four point six at mm-hmm. the uh, the combine, and I think Laquan was four six four, which is slow for an elite wide receiver. Um, but they win with their size, with their body position, with their you know their the nuance. Yeah. Um, and you don't run a forty when you're running a. It's true <laughs> when you're running but, a route. But at the same time, Laquan has struggled to get separation. Um, you know, so far in the preseason, and hasn't looked that sharp. Okay. Um, I think. But he's a rookie. Him, I think it'll take him. I mean, people assumed they assumed when he got drafted, he's starting opposite Stephon Diggs, and I think Charles Johnson opens the year as the starter there. I think it'll take him time to get on the field all the time. Um, and Doxon, same thing. He's playing behind Pierre Garcon and, and Deshaun Sean Jackson. Jackson. And even in the slot, maybe Jamison Crowder, who had a really strong rookie campaign. He definitely finished the year strong. I know I stashed him on my dynasty, the, on my dynasty um, team. Doxon is my favorite of the group of all the rookie receivers, but the problem is he's a year away from probably being a big fantasy contributor. So, so you, so you like him most, most as a receiver, but probably more as a dynasty guy yeah, this year? Okay. Absolutely, uh, because I mean he would need an injury in front of him because I think he's not. I mean he's because he right now is hurt. He's not going to beat out Garcon or Deshaun Jackson to start. Sure. He would need an injury ahead of him to play. Um, now, who do you like this year to be, like, are any of these guys starting right away? Like, is Corey Coleman going to start with Terrell Pryor at wide receiver? Yeah, well, Josh Gordon suspended, what, the first five games? Five or six, yeah. Five or six, so he's going to miss the beginning of the season. And while that happens, the, if you're in two receiver sets, it's going to be Pryor and Coleman. Um Three receiver sets you may mix in Rashard Higgins, who's the another rookie. Okay. I mean they have a they have they drafted four wide receivers. <laughs> Them in Houston, man. They um, need the receivers. Another just just quick throw it out there. Another name to remember for down the road: Seth the Valve, tight end stash from that team. Just a big physical freak at tight end. Went to Princeton, of all places. Oh, why not? Uh, but just a name to remember for you know a year or two from now. Don't worry about him today. Um, but going back to what we'll I was saying. We'll record this so, and we'll look at it. Remind me in two years. Yeah. Seth DeValve. Seth DeValve. Uh, so Corey Coleman is, in my opinion, going to be a very good player up front. But if I had to pick one receiver for this year, um, just the guy who thinks going to have the most fantasy points year one, it's Sterling Shepard from the Giants. And I, I agree with you. I think that it's going to be – and he's being drafted that way. He's the highest ranked um, of all of the – of all of these rookies. So his ADP is 97. He's the 39th wide receiver off the board. So he's going in the end of the 10th round, just like, um, you know, Derrick Henry, that sort of value. I think that him lining up against OBJ is going to be phenomenal. I absolutely think he outperforms his draft slot. I think he performs better than where he's being picked. Than a 10th round? Yeah. yeah. I, well, here's the thing. Everyone's, 
the big question mark with the Giants receiving group is what happens with Victor Cruz? Can he come back? Can he play anywhere? Oh, come on. No. That's been the question for like three years. Well, I think we my, know that the answer is no to that. No, in my mind, the answer is no, but fans who remember, who remember owning Victor Cruz in fantasy, remember how awesome he was for them, still think he can they be all still Cruz. They all just want to jump up and do the salsa dance again. I get it. You yeah. want your guy to come back and score more touchdowns because he was prolific for a short period of time. But... He's had some catastrophic injuries. He can't get healthy. It's been years now. Yeah. Uh, Sterling, again, Sterling Shepard is going to be a very good receiver if for that Victor team. If Victor Cruz was healthy and playing well, we would have seen it by now. Could you Can you imagine how good, how much better the, the Giants offense could have been last year if they had a reasonable second receiver behind Beckham? I mean, their number two last year was Rue Brandle. He, produ- who is he produced like that with a, a guy who's like, just outside the top ten at quarterback, and no one else around him. Ruben Randall has the mental makeup of Doriel Green Beckham without the physical talent. I mean, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, he he runs the wrong routes. He doesn't catch well. He's just I don't I mean. Ruben Randall was not a guy that should be your number two receiver, and now he's number two in Philly. Good luck to you guys Have fun, out in Philly. Philly. That's why they traded for Doriel Green Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> Because now you have the guy with the mental mistakes, but actually has physical talent, uh, you know. But yeah, so Sterling, I think, is the number one guy this year in terms of rookies. Number two for me is Corey Coleman because he's gonna be, he's gonna be fed the rock. Uh, you know, Hugh Jackson knows to get his playmakers the football, and that's one of his playmakers, along with Josh Gordon and surprisingly Terrell Pryor, who I think can be actually an above average. RG three and Gary Barnage and Terrell Pryor are gonna fucking tear it up this year. I'm excited. I think people Cleveland are Cleveland Browns, baby. They're going to this they're going to the look, playoffs. No Look, way. I told so they I was might talking, get a wild card. They might be sneaky, but I was talking playoffs. to someone today playoffs? I was talking to someone today at work and I'm a 49er fan and I mentioned the Niners are the worst team in the NFL and he tried to argue that the Browns are worse. The no Browns way. the Browns are gonna sneak Browns up Arrow on people, is pointing guys. up baby. They're yeah the they Browns, are pointing I'm I'm excited to see the offense. I'm secretly kind of rooting for like RG three to do good, but the Steelers are going to crush them. RG three and oh. Josh Gordon, man. Wa- watching this preseason Flash. and some of the things that Hugh Jackson has said about his players and his team and the way he's going about his business, I am so angry the 49ers didn't at least inquire into Hugh Jackson to try to hire him as coach instead of Chip Kelly. You know what I mean? I yeah. like I like Chip Kelly. I like him a lot more than most people do. Damn, Hugh Jackson's a good coach. Oh, I agree. I like Hugh Jackson. I like um, the other guy who was in Cincinnati, Mike, um, the, who's now coaching in uh, for the Vikings. Oh, Mike uh, Zimmer. Mike Zimmer, Defensive yes. coordinator in Cincinnati, now head coach. Yeah. Right, right. So both of the coordinators in Cincinnati are now head coaches. Um, and I love, I used to I love like, him. I like both of those guys. Yeah. I loved him talking about Cordero Patterson when the people would question, like, how are you going to get him open? Or, or basically, said, what are you, you going to manufacture him touches? He goes, no, he's got to get open. Right. (laughs) That's how this works. How how, how are you getting more involved? He's got to get open more. (laughs) I love it. But no, I think, again, the Browns headed in the right direction. So Coleman's number two. And number three, actually ahead of uh, Laquan and Doxon for this year, I like Michael Thomas. I think Thomas is the number three receiver for this year. Okay. Um, Just because he's number three in the pecking order, in my opinion, in New Orleans. But there's been a lot of question marks about Kobe Fleener and how well he's adapting. Um, to the Saints' offense and to their scheme. Um, you know, so you're going to need somebody in the center of the field who can do things, and I think Michael Thomas is going to play in the slot a lot. Uh, and I think it's going to help him if Fleener struggles. And, hell, he's got a, he's he's 
you know, of these guys we mentioned, he clearly has the best quarterback throwing them the ball. Yeah, and and the the comparison I consistently hear for him in terms of other than RG three, of course. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the comparison I consistently have been hearing for Michael Thomas in terms of his game and the way he plays is Michael it's probably Crabtree. Michael Thomas, right? It's Michael Crabtree. <laughs> Crabtree, and, and I kind of agree with that. I, I see it. Uh, Are we talking like Crabtree who can't beat Richard Sherman, or Crabtree who suddenly reflourished re- in Oakland? Uh, Crabtree, good, or, good, or Crabtree. good early Crabtree let's beating good, the Packers. Let's just say good Crabtree. Okay, good Crabtree. That's what they. That's what most people. Or the, There's the people, a lot of different versions of Crabtree. The people that I respect their opinions of have been comparing him to Michael Crabtree and good Michael Crabtree. All right, all right, I'll buy that. Uh, so, um, another guy who's been making a lot of news and could get a bunch of playing time is Tyler Boyd, who is currently not being drafted. His ADP is 195, the 62nd wide receiver off the board. I totally think that this is a guy that could wind up playing more time than Brandon LaFell. Brandon LaFell couldn't make it on a Patriots team that had nobody playing for them. So, I don't really see Brandon LaFell all of a sudden you know, being hot shit in Cincinnati you know I think that Tyler Boyd a guy who they drafted who they want to work in their system is going to be given more opportunities and so far you know the news is much more positive about Boyd than it is about LaFell um I think I I don't know who's going to win the number two job there whether it's Boyd or LaFell um they're obviously going to be on the field in three wide receiver sets but in general to me I think the Bengals offense as a whole is a lower volume passing attack than it was last year. Um, I, I, for me, I've been kind of fading uh, Andy Dalton in drafts. I've been fading, um, you know, any of their secondary receivers. I haven't been taking LaFell very often. I haven't been taking Tyler Boyd. Yeah. Um, I love AJ Green. I think the passing. Game uh, yes, I really like AJ. Green I think the this passing year. game will funnel through AJ Green. He probably gets 150 targets this year. I'm thinking, you know, and another guy that I love, Antonio him. Brown and Odell Beckham, like that kind of volume. Yep, and yeah. I also think that Jeremy Hill has a big bounce back year because I think they lean on the run game a lot but, more. But than did they have. he use the P90X like Eddie Lacy did? No, but I don't think he was overweight the way Eddie Lacy was. Uh, I mean, I don't think that it's fluctuated. I think he's always been. I think he's always seemed like a little too big for his position. Yeah, I, the the biggest thing that I've heard from from training camp and or you know from the beat or seen from the beat writers and from some other people who cover him is that his rookie year two seasons ago. He was very decisive and hit the hole hard and ran with a purpose. And last year, he was more of a dancer in the backfield and looked, you know, bounced around, bounced things outside, looked for a crease that might not. And be he's there not when agile he enough to do that. And this year, he's back to playing the way that he did as a rookie, at least so, so far in camp. And he's imagine the size of the chip on his shoulder, feeling like he cost his team a playoff game last year too. Well, he did. Well, <laughs> I mean, you could you can make the case it was him. You can make the case it was perfect for laying out Antonio Brown. Well, yeah, that was pretty. Stupid. There are cases to be made. Didn't they have two personal fouls on that ensuing drive? Yes, the I defense mean, the defense lost that game. You know, the Bengals really screwed that up. Yeah, Let's Hill Hill fumbling way. didn't help. Uh, but it Mike's was like, but no, they, the Steelers won. But at that point, <laughs> it was still possible to stop them, and the defense gave them something like thirty extra yards on penalties in the final drive. Exactly, it, they just um, handed the game over. But again, Hill, at least instead of in making part rightfully, feels like scumbags. 
they were. <laughs> At least in part, rightfully, Hill feels like he cost his team that game. Um, sure, and you know, and the chip on his shoulders would be big. I'm sure he dedicated himself in the offseason, and so far, apparently, it's showing up in camp. I think he needs to be a like you said, one cut and go guy. You can't dance around. You have to make your decision and go with it. And and you you argue that the the Bengals were were trash in that game. There was a pretty cheap shot on Gio Bernard that didn't get flagged either. Well, I mean, I've always it said was. that they <laughs> that they're gonna be. Let, let them I've play. always made fun of the Steelers. Let them play so. some not, football. Not to mention a Steelers coach was on the field trying to fight players. Come on, Joey yeah. Porter, what are you doing? Oh, beast. that's right. <laughs> wow. Fired up. Man. We were More at, like we, should have been fired. It was a circus. We were, was, we were on opposite was, sides of rooting on that one, Mike. It was, definitely was, it was a Cincy. circus. Oh, man. But the right team came out on top. All right, so back, back to the rookies. We've got Leonte Carew of the Miami Dolphins, uh, Will Fuller of the Texans, and Tajay Sharp of the Titans. Mm. All these guys, their ADP is over 200. They're not being drafted anywhere so you can pick them up uh as flyers you can pick them up uh you know probably before week one without any real worries um so out of those three guys sean who do you think has the best chance of you know getting some regular action getting you know being relevant in any way um that one's that, i mean that's a tough tough trio who was oh, you said it was uh tajay sharp will fuller and who was the other one and leonte carew oh yeah uh carew would be the bottom of the list in terms of this year there's too much competition for targets, and you know how much Tannehill trusts Jarvis Landry. Right. And Devontae Parker seemed to be really coming on. Yeah. Uh, and he still has to beat out Kenny Stills for third. And Kenny Stills has been playing well. He had two touchdowns in the yeah. preseason game, I think. Yeah, so I think for him it's going to be hard for him to just kind of earn a share of the targets there. Um, so he'd be third for sure. Um, Fuller, I feel like in a lot of ways, is going to be used more as a decoy uh, to try to draw some attention away from DeAndre Hopkins. They haven't really had kind of a lid lifter, a guy who can, who can has that kind of those kind of wheels yeah. opposite him. Um, so I think he's going to help just to kind of take the coverage deep and open things up underneath for Hopkins. But Jalen Strong has had a good camp as well, and another guy who could be a factor in that offense. Um, so I think the guy, if I'm picking one, it's probably Tajay Sharp because I think he starts right away. Um, and I think he's got the type of game that he can play at different levels. I mean, he was... The number one guy at UMass, which obviously is not a big-time power in college football, but he was one of the most dominant receivers in college football last season. I mean, he picked apart the Mac. It, was, it wasn't even fair. Um, and I think that with him now, with DGB going, going away, you now have him, Delaney Walker, and um, Rashard Matthews as the three guys on the field most of the time as receiving options. Um and I think that's going to be. I think he's going to be more productive than people expect. Um, but the biggest question mark there is how much they throw, because you have Demarco Murray, you have Derrick Henry, you have Mariota who can run on designed runs. Um, so they probably want to lean on the run game a little more. Um, but I still think I would rather have him. I mean, if you're in a best ball league, a league where you get points for having a monster week, go with Fuller because he's going to catch some deep balls. He's got wheels. Yeah. He's bound to catch some. Have some big plays. But I think and it looks want, like he's going to be – they seem to like him. Well, he's outperformed Jalen Strong is okay. the report. I mean, Strong, from what I've heard, has looked pretty good this spring. Well, look, this preseason too. I think we all know that the the guy who's going to take the second job there is Cecil Shorts. Of course. Drink five, everybody. Cecil Shorts. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so, I mean, if you're playing – again, if you're playing a best ball league, 
go ahead and, and take Fuller. Um, I think he's kind of the one you're going to want who's going to have the big weeks. But week-to-week consistency, I'd rather have Sharp, and I'd take either one over Leontay Carew. And, hey, you, you know, one of the things I like doing is taking a wide receiver on a team that's maybe down a lot, which, you know, is what we speculated for the Titans so far. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a year away from being where Jacksonville is, where you get the offensive skill players, and then the next draft you load up on defense. So I think next draft for them, they probably load up on defense like Jacksonville did yeah, this year. Yeah. And that's when they suddenly become a 500 type of team or, or better. Um, so uh, that's about it for the wide receivers. Any other wide receivers that you wanted to bring up? Um, off the top of my head, I'm not coming up with any obvious ones. Um, I'm sure we hit the we hit the big name ones. I'm sure another one will come to me at some point, and I may just suddenly just interject with sure. a guy that I shouldn't Feel I should have free. mentioned two hours ago. So, so to summarize, we've got uh, Sterling Shepard is the best guy this year. Um, Josh Doxson is the best guy in a dynasty, probably. Yeah, I mean. In all honesty, it's hard to go wrong with him, Treadwell, or um, Corey Coleman. But for me, I mean, it's kind of a matter of personal preference. But for me, I prefer Doxon, then Coleman, and then Treadwell. That's the order I have them in personally. Yeah. And then, you know, you got Tyler Boyd or Will Fuller or Tajay Sharp as a flyer, um, you know, after you're done drafting. So uh, a couple of tight ends were drafted. They're all at an ADP over 200, so they're really not going to uh, be drafted at all this year. Um but I guess a couple of these guys could be used on their team. So you've got Hunter Henry of the Chargers, Austin Hooper of the Falcons, and Tyler Higby of the Rams in Los Angeles. Speaking, um, speaking of the Rams, I just remembered a receiver to mention. So that? just one last one I want to point out, just because it looks like he's going to earn a role uh, right out of the gate is Farrell Cooper in St. Louis. Um, he's another guy. I mean, actually, we're going to get to Hard Knocks later. He had a pretty tough moment on Hard Knocks this week. But he's... Um, Brian Quick has apparently been a bit disappointment yet again in camp for the Rams, so it looks like Farrow Cooper is going to open the year as a starter. Uh, and even though it's a low-volume attack, he's still a name to remember for late in drafts, especially in somewhat deeper leagues. All right. Um, so is there any of those guys that you think are going to be, like, you know, used this year? you got Hunter Henry... On the Chargers, he's going to be sort of taking the place of Antonio Gates eventually, I think is what they hope. Um, but who knows with the Chargers? I mean, I don't know. Oops, that's not what I wanted to do. Go fuck yourself, San Diego. Well, he is a Charger, so sure. <laughs> uh, Austin Hooper, you know, the Falcons really need to fill that Tony Gonzalez hole. Is he, you know, is he going to start on the team? Is he worthy of any of that? Um, so far, it looks like no. Uh, it looks like he's still. I mean, I mean, I have not heard any updates on him really, except that it sounds like he's unlikely to beat out Jacob Tammy or Levine Toilolo for starting duties in in Atlanta. Um, I mean, there was a lot of hype around him kind of shortly after the draft that that may happen that he may step in this year, but I think it's really unlikely that you see much from him uh, as a rookie at least. I mean, that's the tight end position in general. You just don't see a lot of production from the rookies. Yeah, um, and as far as Hunter Henry is concerned, I think the same thing that um, you just said. Gates is the guy there still. He's old, but man, he can still play. I mean, he still made some big plays last year. Um, Henry will step in and take the Ladarius Green role, so there may be some splash plays here and there when Green, a couple of touchdowns when Gates is healthy, and if Gates misses time, Henry probably steps in and starts. And I like his his all around game. I think he can be really good down the road. Um, but in I mean in dynasties he's he's the best tight end that's available this year. 
okay. um, in my opinion. But his role as the starter ha- starts when Gates retires, whether it's in a year or in two years or when it happens to be. Um, but, again, I like his overall game, and he's impressed so far in camp. Um, and Hig- you mentioned Tyler Higby as well. Higby just irritates me. I just feel like he's... <laughs> I, he's Why, like, did he play for Notre Dame or something? No, no. He went to a small school. He went to Western Kentucky, and he's got talent. He just... the He had a really bad incident um, shortly before the draft. Uh, he got charged with assault. Um, and it was this really... It just basically this... I've read kind of the details on the story, and it sounds like he went to a bar, got too drunk, and some guy, not knowing this girl, his girlfriend had a boyfriend, went up and was trying to be nice and talk to her, and he got in the guy's face and eventually laid the guy out cold. Higby uh, did? Higby laid this guy out cold. <laughs> started, apparently said some some not-so-nice thing, racial things, um, calling him a haji and some other things. Um, his girlfriend, uh, afterwards, after they, they had broken up, and there were some stories of his girlfriend basically saying he's too cocky for his own good and things of that sort. Um, so personally, I don't think I would want to be friends with Tyler Higby. <laughs> but if he can keep his head straight and stay on the field, he can be a productive. Sounds like he belongs on the same team as Greg Williams. Sure. I mean, where's where's Richie Incognito on that team? Right. You know? He might fit right in. Although that's, that's Williams on the defense. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So one other rookie I wanted to bring up, uh, which is kind of the um, vexing problem in Tampa Bay, is Roberto Aguayo. He is a kicker who was drafted in the second round. Uh, it's the highest the kicker's been drafted probably since Sebastian Janikowski. Um, so he's missed, like, half of his kicks. He misses kicks in practice, and people boo him. Uh, <laughs> you said earlier uh, that he might get cut. Is that really true? Or uh, well, I, I'd, speculation? Have to, I'd have to double-check and see if Patrick Murray is still on the roster. Um, he was their kicker the last couple seasons. If he's still on the roster, I think there's a really good chance Aguayo doesn't make the team. And that's sad when you're a second round pick. I mean, unless uh, unless they're gonna like. Have you? I mean, how often does a second round pick get cut? Even. I mean, unless they're going to pull what the Dallas Cowboys did a few years back, and hold two kickers, one for place kicks or like field goals and extra points, and one for kickoffs. Yeah. And I don't think they're gonna do that. They don't um, have. They don't have anybody else on the team. Is well, is, is Patrick Murray on a team? Uh, I don't know, but he's not on their team. So if Patrick Murray's a free agent, I could very quickly see them bringing him in for a workout and signing him. That's, I mean, you know how the NFL is with kickers. He's it's, on the Browns. Oh, wow. So he's on a team. Um, but the NFL in general is fickle with their kickers. If a kicker's struggling, they're not going to hesitate to cut him and bring somebody else in to try out. It's true. I very mean, true. you've seen it over and over again over the last few years. That guy, I mean, uh, you know, the Saints... Uh, who'd they cut? Was it Garrett Hartley a couple years ago? The, they cut? the Steelers. I mean, the Steelers have had so many kicking problems. Oh, my God. Me. How many kickers did they have before they got to Boswell last year? Yeah. Three or four. Sweezum opened the year with an injury, right? Towards ACL. Yeah. Sweezum is how it's pronounced, I think. I could be Sweezum. wrong. Um, but they went through a couple other guys. It, uh, Josh Scobie at one point. Yep. Uh, they ended up on Boswell. Oh, that's right. Scobie was on the team. Uh, so, I mean, you see it. The teams will cycle through kickers if the kicker's not performing. Uh, he, I know. used to draft him all the time because he was on a team that never scored touchdowns. Jacksonville. That was... Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's probably 10, 10 to 12 years ago now, but Matt Stover used to be my go-to in Baltimore when they would put up... They'd win because their defense was lights out and they'd score four field goals and a touchdown. Well, now Justin game. Tucker is like the best team, the best kicker. 
Yeah. Other than uh, Kaskowski. Granted, when I had Stover, their quarterback was Trent Dilfer. They did not know how to put the ball in the end zone. <laughs> but, man, could he kick field goals. All right. Are there any other rookies that we left out? Anybody else who popped in your head who you want to mention? Um, any any defenders that are going to make a defense worth drafting? Probably not, right? Well, I mean, It'd be really hard for any one player to make that happen. There's this guy in San Diego who could have been helpful, but... <laughs> <laughs> Go fuck yourself, San Diego. No, I think I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have added three guys that... that I mean, they only drafted two of them. Uh, the third one is basically a rookie who comes back from an injury last year in Dante Fowler Jr. Uh, but you talk about... Um, you know, Miles Jack and Jalen Ramsey that they added this year. It's essentially two first-round picks, even though they got Jack in the second round. And I think their defense goes from being not really not good to being at least a, um, a streaming defense when they have a good matchup. I think they're going to make that team a lot more competitive this year. That's the one team I think that upgraded their defense the most through the draft. All right, so as I pour out a modus operandi, one of the... Uh original craft beer in a cans that I know of. Um, Gotta love the beer in the can. I want to talk a little bit about Hard Knocks this season. So Hard Knocks, um, obviously, a show about the NFL, about training camp. Um, the cool thing about this is that you get to see on Tuesday stuff that just happened over the weekend and stuff like that. So uh, unlike a show like All or Nothing, which was on Amazon about a whole season, and you get to see it much later, this at least you get to see like immediate sort of uh, gratification um, so, you guys been watching Hard Knocks? Yep. I am behind. I've seen about an episode and a half out of the three. Well, prepare to get spoiled on Hard Knocks for the first three episodes. I, I sincerely apologize, but I don't really because it's not like I'm spoiling Game of Thrones or anything. Yeah. And I, and I even if I wanted to at this point, I can't C- spoil Cersei anything. Cersei kills everyone. Everyone. So, um, I want to know, uh, first of all, which kind of tank top, uh, did you guys choose to wear this morning? Did you go with, like, a nice going out t- tank, or did you have, like, a stringy tank because you were no, working I out? No, I did the stringy tank because uh, it shows a lot of sun to my dress shirt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I chose the tuxedo tank. The tuxedo tank. Because I want... Because you must have been going I want to look nice. formal, but I also want to look like I like to party. All right. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. One of the things I like is the guy... Uh, what's I don't I don't remember his name, but the guy who believes in mermaids, but not like dinosaurs or really anything, anything. else about biology. Yeah, it, I can't. I remember hearing this conversation. I can't remember what player it is that he's had that a defensive tackle. I believe I can't remember his name, but man, was, was he's it Aaron funny. Donald. I'm it's not, not sure. their real. It might be Aaron Donald, who's like their best defensive lineman. Uh, yeah, you want to see – his argument is if an asteroid came and killed all the dinosaurs, and where are all the water dinosaurs? Why Why didn't it – yeah. And it if you can't show me alive in the, a water dinosaur, It's then William Hayes. William Hayes. The Loch Ness Monster? They mentioned the Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like sharks. And then last yeah. time they were talking about Crocodiles. Like fish with lights on their head. I've seen a video on Reddit today Shark, with wait, a... Uh, sharks with lasers on their heads? Yeah. Is Austin Power style? No, no, lights on their heads, oh. sorry. 17-foot sawfish that was caught in the ocean, and you got to see this thing. That looks terrifying. Oh. It just sounds terrifying. Yeah, you said it looks... You're not even looking at it, and you're terrified. I am. I'm, I just had a picture in my head, and I was a little bit scared. 
So who's your favorite player wife? Is it uh, Case Keenum's wife, who like knows the playbook better than he does? Or is it um, uh, Kush's wife, who is a solid 10? Like, you know, because that's, that's the main... The main feature of Hard Knocks is guys who get cut and their wives. It is. Um, I'd have to go with the... What's his name? The rookie wide receiver, Hill. Oh, Hill's wife? Hill's wife. You know, his daughter is, like, by far the cutest thing they've ever had on that show. Yeah, she is. And and clearly we know that this season is powered by tears. It is. It is 100% powered by tears. Well, yeah, as you met Pharaoh Cooper uh, finding out his stepbrother. No, no, it wasn't. Sorry, it wasn't Cooper. It was... No, no, it was uh, Paul McRoberts. Can I reiterate? I'm an episode and a half behind. It's Paul McRoberts. <laughs> I, I apologize. Told about this today. You were given some bad information earlier. <laughs> the gentleman's name is Paul McRoberts. Is uh, uh, like the the saddest cold open it's to the horrible. show you've ever seen. So just watch it. You'll see it. Um, and I also you know. yeah. I mean, there's there's been some crazy moments already. I mean, there's the guy who got kicked out for or got cut because got cut because he had a girl in a the girl dorm. In yeah. I think That's basic rules, though. Like, I mean, he stressed it in meetings. Oh, yeah. He was like, this is what's going to happen. And he's I like, mean, my favorite, my favorite this, part of that whole It's horrible thing. with the no, wide receiver. Todd Gurley doesn't get cut, but... No. <laughs> my favorite part of that entire encounter, like, afterwards when he's addressing the team, because we all know Jeff Fisher's track record in St. Louis. He's 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight every goddamn year. Uh-huh. And he says, we're not going to accept 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7. and seven. Or even ten and six. We're too good for that. You're gonna finish one of those records because you always finish one of those records. You're yeah, they not too ten good and for six. That. That's all right. You know, at bullshit with with Dion. That was that was seven and nine bullshit. That's what your team is every year. It's seven and nine bullshit. I mean, your quarterback is Case Keenum. We'll see you at seven and nine yet again. Season. The only real wife I've seen on there has been Case Keenum's wife. Some an episode and a half behind, and she was she's attractive. Yeah, and I she's awesome she was, too. Yeah, With the football knew, players while she she's making like no, omelets. He, yeah, she's making him food, and like <laughs> she reads off the play like it's nothing. And he's like, uh, he's like, the uh, come from the west or the east. Spider to Y banana. <laughs> the play calls were actually really complicated. Yeah, they're ridiculous. They, they were probably ten words. And, uh, that's, that's a bit way much. too many if you want your players to be able to understand them quickly. Ryan, you do have a, you Ryan have, Fitzpatrick doesn't have a problem. There is, well, he's a Harvard grad. Uh, there is a, a play clock. So, I mean, <laughs> if you can't get the play call out to the teammates in under 20 seconds, you're probably going to have a delay of game here and there. That's true. That's very true. So I'll leave you guys with this quote from Will Hayes, the man who uh, only believes in mermaids. No, I don't believe the Rams' offense existed, he said last month. Not even a little bit. With these players, it's crazy because, man, you've never seen the Rams' offense. We can agree on that, right? So, um, yeah, the Rams, you know, I they, they present you very well. They present very well on the on the show. They're always showing the very good side. Um, but I don't – I think they are going to be a 7-9, and 8-8 and eight team again this year. I agree. I can't yep. see it being much different. There's no, no question. They're, they're at best the third best. They're, I mean, forget at best. Almost definitively the third best team in that division. Oh, there's no way that they're going to be better than Seattle or Arizona this or year. Or worse than San Francisco. You're right. They're definitively <laughs> the third best team in there's that division. There's one, two, but three and four are set. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, uh, I just want to thank everyone for joining us uh, this evening 
guys. It's been a good show. So um, you guys can check us out next week and every week here on uh, Mixler and listen to us on um, you know on our website later on. Go to iTunes and give us a review. Listen to us there. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Uh, drink five. Cheers. Cheers, guys.